Um, and it's the question of what is your worth? What are you worth to the kingdom of God? What are you worth to the people around you? Um, the whole umbrella of what you're worth. Um, the answer is pretty simple. Um, it's $45 million. <laughs> no, seriously, the answer is $45 million. If you were to sell every chemical and organ in your body, it's $45 million right there. So if anyone wants to fund the church, putting the offer out there. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, um, I want to talk about um, what your worth is specifically in God um, and how do we know that what he says our worth is is true. Um, and so how do people that are constantly denying his existence or people like us that are constantly failing um, his expectations worth as much as he says we're worth? And how are we worth the life of the only living person to walk this earth? Jesus. If anyone was wondering, Jesus. Um, and realistically, you can argue that it's all sin and Satan's fault and that God's just forgiving. That's true. I'm not denying that God isn't forgiving and that it's sin's fault. But I think it's actually more than that. I think it's more than just we sin. I actually believe that God made us imperfect for a reason. Right, God made us with free will. We all know this. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to choose God, wouldn't be able to choose what we do in day to day. Um, but with this comes the illusion of power. We think that we have control over every little thing in our lives, which isn't true. God controls a lot in our lives and lets a lot of things happen. And although, yes, we have free will, so we get to choose those things, but we actually think we're more powerful than we are without God. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. Famous verse. Caleb, that's not it. Get it out of here. I don't need it. No, so Genesis chapter 1, 27, God created mankind in his own image. In his own image. Therefore, not equal to God. We were never equal to God. We could never be equal to God. But if we're not equal to God, where are we? In the spectrum of perfection, I actually think it doesn't matter what the answer to that is because if we're not on God's level, we are imperfect. Full stop. I don't know that's a bit hard to hear, knowing that you're not perfect and you would never be perfect. But it's true. And so I want you to think of this, right? You go to, you go to a store. Let's say you go to JB Hi-Fi. The best store. I love JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> I have everything I want, except for shoes. JB Hi-Fi, take notes. Um, but say you go in and buy a laptop. You go home. It's like a $2,000 laptop. Go home, open it up, really excited. Oh, it's missing like three keys, screen's broken. Damn. $2,000 laptop. What are you going to do? You're obviously going to go and return it. You're going to get your money back or get a new one. But let's say you buy the laptop, it's perfectly fine, but it has something, a part of it, that you don't necessarily like. Like whether it doesn't have like actual USB ports and it uses the stupid 
Type-C things, and then you have to get an adapter and whatnot. Absolutely atrocious. But let's say you get that, but you know that coming into it, you're not going to return it because it doesn't have a USB port. And so why would God do the same with us, right? We have something that is built into us that kind of makes it challenging to live life, but he's not going to say, oh, you know what, just get rid of them. Had enough of them. I want a USB port. No. Right, he's going to keep us. And so God made each and every one of us flawed, tempted, imperfect. We see Adam and Eve. They weren't even perfect. Because if they were perfect, they wouldn't have been tempted. They wouldn't have eaten the apple. Right? So God gave us free will. But he didn't just give us free will to choose him, to do what we want. He gave us free will so we could understand why. We take a lot of things for granted living in Australia, right? Houses, beds, clean running water. We take all of that for granted because it's just natural to us. It's in our everyday lives, and you think of people in third world countries that literally have none of those They have to walk tens of kilometres to even just get dirty water, let alone clean running water. But we take it for granted because it's in our everyday lives. And if God were to make his love understandable completely, and if we completely understood that, we would take that for granted. And so he gives us free will so we can understand why we should love him and how much he loves us. And so, Caleb, now you can, you can put the scripture up on the screen. Thank you. <laughs> um, so today I'm going to be talking on Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. The prodigal son, or the lost son. Um, very, very famous parable. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the younger son got together all he had, set off on a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomachs with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He then came to his senses, he said. Oh, sorry. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. 
But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field Um, When they came near to the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So the father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. And you ne- and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I love when Jesus talks in parables because they seem like they're real stories, but they're not. And he, it's great to see that this is a story of God and us. Right? We see in this parable that the world puts different worth on different people solely on what they have. Right, he's a man who has half of his father's wealth, which by the looks of it is a lot of money. A lot of money. And so he's sought after. People want to be around him. They want to party with him. He's cool. He's hip. I wish I was him. <laughs> but once that money is gone, once all those earthly possessions have been used up, He has to become a servant. He has to feed pigs and starve, not even being able to eat what the pigs eat. And then what happens next after that, verse 17 to 19, it says, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, I've sinned against against heaven and against you. Um, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Sometimes it takes hell to bring us to heaven. Sometimes it takes distance to be closer. Sometimes we must lose our worth to the people in our lives or our outer lives to see that we lose the worth that we should be searching for. Verse 20 says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Even after the world says we are worthless, 
even after we've lost everything we could have and we have to feed pigs. After all of that, God says, you're worth it. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care what you've lost. I'm here to show you what you can gain. See, when we chase the world, when we go partying, when we seek other people's validation, we're often greeted with the world's answers, which are usually pretty sucky, (laughs) in a lack of better words. Right, and only with God can we see our true worth. But what I find fascinating about that part where the Father was already waiting is that even when we were feeding pigs and starving to death, he was waiting. Which shows us that even when we were worthless and weren't even searching for God, He still put so much worth in us that he was willing to wait and look and search and then run to us when he saw us coming. How great is that? That even when we're so lost that we don't even know where we are, what we're doing, how we're even going to survive, God's waiting for us to come home to him. And even before we get home, he actually runs to us. He doesn't just wait for us to cross the finish line. He moves the finish line to where we already are. And now there is another side to this story. The older brother. The one that stayed, the one that didn't go partying. The nerd, some would say. Glad I'm not him. (laughs) Right, but he was angry when his father threw this party. He was fuming. I would be too. Right, he stayed humble. He, He stayed full stop. He was with his father. He was doing his work. And he didn't even get a lamb to celebrate with his friends. Not even a lamb. And so I want you to think of the last time you were celebrated. For the last time, no. For the l- Bear with me for a moment. I want you to think of the last time you were celebrated for just believing in God. Exclusively. Not for doing any serving, just for believing in God. And now I want you to compare that to the last time you were celebrated for coming back to God after leaving. Nine times out of ten, it's the second one. And kind of touching on some of the stuff Lee was talking about last week, about um, encouraging each other. Yes, it's great to be encouraged to just continue following God. But the people that are lost, the people that are dead, they're the ones that need to be found. 
We don't need to be celebrated. I'm fine living my life just as it is, where I am. And it's great to have people saying, hey, you're doing a great job with what you're doing. Really appreciate you. Please do that. It really helps. Um, But more often than not, I don't need it as much as other people because I'm in a really great space with God. Verse 31, 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I want all of you to just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think about the most valuable person in your life. The person that you can go to when you're having a hard time. The person that you love more than anyone else. And I want you to think of why. Why is this the most important person to you? I want to tell you today that no matter how many times you think you've failed, it doesn't matter. I want to tell you that someone appreciates you just for existing. Not because of what you do or how you act, but because you are simply alive. I want to tell you that if you're going through the toughest season in your life, there are people waiting for you to turn to them and ask. And they will run to you. I want to tell you that you were loved. And so I ask the question, what are you worth? What is the worth that you put in yourself? Disregarding everything that you do the acts that you do, simply just you, what are you worth? Because to God, there are no words that could describe what you were worth. And so with every eye closed, if you are feeling like you were worthless, or you feel like you don't know what you were worth, or if you're distant from God, if you're out partying in worldly things and you want to reconnect with your Father, I want you to raise your hand. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to raise your hand. So good. 
Hey God, I want to thank you so much for everyone in this room. I want to thank you so much for everyone outside of this room. I want to thank you so much that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're searching for, you are always waiting there because you say we are priceless. I thank you that you're there to comfort us. And I thank you that you're always there when we're lost and we need to be found. And that you're willing to run the extra yards to get to us. I pray that everyone in this room is able to understand that they are not worthless, God. That they are worth more than anyone could ever imagine to you. And it doesn't matter what they do. That you will always, always love them. 